Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Lyons, and joining me today is Mitch Nugent director, actor, and producer, and the executive artistic producer of Prima Theatre. Founded in 2010, Prima Theatre is situated in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and is home to boutique musicals, theatrical concerts, and special events. Guest performers have included Stephen Schwartz, Billy Porter, Alice Ripley, Jason Robert Brown, and Shoshana Bean, to name just a few. Prima were in the midst of their 10th season when the shutdown happened, but it has not stopped the company from innovating and creating theatrical experiences for its audiences. Welcome, Mitch. Well, hello. I'm pumped to be with you. We're very excited to find all about what you've been up to these past few months. It's been a journey. I I can't wait to hear about it. So before we get into that, can you tell us about the world of Prima Theatre before the shutdown? Yeah, so we've been, uh, we were for about eight years, uh, a roving nomadic organization um, and uh, specifically focused on invigorating people's lives with fresh theatrical experiences. And so we we were at a number of venues, about 15 of them um, over that first eight years. And uh, we started actually in the Great Recession, which set us up well to be resourceful going into the current circumstances. And in after eight seasons, um, we had the great opportunity to get into our own venue, thanks to a number of folks in the community really believing in the power of fresh theatrical experiences. And so uh, we had our first year last year, calendar year and, and season being a calendar year, and then you know life changed. Uh, so we, we got a full season in. <laughs> <laughs> um, one whole uh, season yeah yes uh, within the, our own space and so you know be careful when you think you've arrived uh, <laughs> things can shift um, but uh, so that's been you know the history of the organization was we really felt like there was a flavor of the arts that uh, our community and our artists in the area were interested in experiencing and so uh, so we're kind of that that off-Broadway house basically for central Pennsylvania that's amazing. And I'm so sorry that the pandemic got in the way of your second season. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, yeah, how that um, how that plays out, because it certainly creates more sleepless nights and yet in some ways refines our organization to be focused on the things, the core values that define what our purpose is and how we engage the community in this art form. And so to some degree, I am grateful for it and yet certainly would never like any challenging circumstance you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy uh and yet for arts and culture this is uh, such an opportunity what would you define as prima's purpose yeah and it's that it's to invigorate people's lives with fresh theatrical experiences and so i hear about you know some companies that say uh, i think of um i mentioned you know one big one that uh, a lot of folks have a variety of feelings about, but Chick-fil-A's mission is to uh, bring chicken to the people, which is an interesting thing because most of us, including myself, would think, well, it's to get people to their buildings to buy chicken. But when they say it's to bring chicken to the people, it the re- reality hit when I heard that during the pandemic, that invigorating people's lives with Fresh Theater doesn't necessarily have to happen in the confines of a traditional space. Uh, as you know, the art form has existed in a variety of, of manners and over you know, thousands of years. So we, our understanding of what that has to look like in contemporary culture perhaps is at the you know, corner of, of a significant shift. It's very exciting and it changes the potential for theater and what we can see online and, and the world of theater in general. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, do you, what, do you, what are your big insights? I mean, what have you uh, felt like that you've seen that has been, um, you know, potentially transformative? The belief that filmed theater is a thing is mm-hmm. a massive shift, particularly in the United States. 
there was a huge resistance to filming theater and making it available to people. There's fear that it will affect ticket sales. There's a fear that it, well, there's the belief that it's not theater at all. Once you film it, that it, it has to be live. It has to be in the room. And that belief has shifted. And I, I think we can thank Hamilton a lot for that. Sure. Uh, the, the huge response to it and just the huge response to theater online in general. I don't think people in certainly the Broadway community were expecting an audience for this kind of stuff. So that leads me to ask about, was Calling All Kates your, the current production when the, the pandemic hit? Yes. So can you talk, what happened? Yeah, I mean, we, we were starting to get sort of the rumblings in the closing week. And so we were able to finish out the run of this tremendous new musical that felt like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt met at the Gilmore Girls. And uh, just a joyful piece to sort of end one era of life in America <laughs> um, <laughs> for our uh, for our patrons. And uh, within a matter of just a few days, you know, we're starting to make phone calls to find out does insurance cover pandemics. <laughs> so uh, within uh, less than two weeks, we were pivoting towards how can we fulfill our mission within you know new confines so yeah that that uh we we had by being by doing a bunch of fresh work it has allowed us to do some things that other organizations just don't have the legal capacity to do also the relationships to some of the broadway guest artists that we had in the past allowed for certain people to be in my cell phone rolodex um more quickly and so we just had some some resources at hand of of some of the writers to say, hey, like this is such an opportunity to get your work seen by a broader audience. But uh, on top of it, like we're working with at that point a lot of non-union performers. So the the archival work we had we had filmed almost all of our productions for the last ten years. Um, so working with a load of non-union performers who are pros in their own right, or have gone on to be equity or what have you. I mean, we just had this great load of HD footage that we had been getting multi-camera sh uh, shot for years. And the realities were the rights companies had no interest in that kind of, like we could shoot those kind of things for marketing purposes. And so we had some of this footage that we would never release publicly based on legal confines. And then the rights companies are going, well, now maybe things change. Um, uh, and that was certainly, uh, you know, it was a necessity to go through all the proper channels for some of the work in which was, uh, you know, owned by the grand rights companies. Those, uh, we certainly have uh, archival footage legally that we weren't allowed to release. But some of those new musicals or the um, theatrical concerts, I mean, we were able to basically put within a month an entire Netflix library out. That has certainly been a big change that the licensing companies have said, oh, yes, yeah, streaming is okay now. To try to, um, yeah, the, the rules have been really so restricted for years. And, and the reality is that, I mean, they're trying to protect the artists. They're trying to protect the bottom line. I completely understand that. And yet, and we were already talking about the industry being something that felt like some folks, you know, declaring it as a dying art form, perhaps because we're not providing access to this, right? Like, to you, you think of uh, movie trailers, give away the entire movie, and still people go and see movies, right? Or did, right? Um, and will. So we find like we can we can in some ways give people a taste of the work if we film it well, if we um, you know don't do it halfway. Clearly, there's an audience for it. Like you mentioned, from a Hamilton standpoint, you can, if you if you do it well, you can get the essence of the experience. And when it comes back live, there's an audience for it. Um, but what we do now matters. How well we do that? So you said you had footage from ten years ago. What led you to be? You said archival recordings, but why were you recording even then? So we had footage um, from for 10 years of shows, mostly for marketing purposes. 
um, that we would want to have, you know, that moment of a song that we could put out with our ASCAP, DMI, and CSAC rights, which are the music rights to specific songs that are outside of a musical. And then when our brand rights um, through an organization like Samuel French or MTI or Broadway Licensing, when those contracts would allow, we would film the show in its entirety. And so we were always interested in getting the rights for that because it felt like this was material that we were so proud of the work we were doing. We wanted artists to be able to, to access that. Most of the time, they would have to come into the Prima office to even watch it. And that, you know, that game has changed um, in so many rights. Now, there's still shows that, you know, I went knocking on the rights company's doors and calling and, and being able to talk to that uh, amazingly, um, some of those brand rights companies were opening up their you know, their vice president of the legal affairs um, in conversation because they're trying to figure it out at the same time the theaters are trying to figure it out. And so there was some great conversations and some folks and some artists didn't feel comfortable releasing their goods or their managers were frightened about sort of opening up every, um, you know, uh, every opportunity that perhaps their work wouldn't be honored or, or you know will people want to buy the rights down the line but uh most it seems like the gates have been generally opened uh and who knows what you know what the future looks like as we all are sort of watching and uh seeing what's happening around the world of what does the future of arts really look like yep when is when do we get that magical vaccine yeah you know, <laughs> and, um also to see uh, we're always looking for it. Like, it seems like the, the any, you know, you think of like the, the iPhone is the mix between a computer and a phone, like this hybrid model that didn't exist before. And I question, uh, I have conversation quite a bit in those sort of those sleepless nights of going, where is that next major innovation? Where's the light bulb moment between what we are seeing from a digital standpoint? Um, and, these in some ways like there's going to be some melding and and trying to figure out what that looks like uh there's a lot of ideas there's people doing online theater that is live or is the stream content or what have you there's a myriad of ways in which people are trying to take the take theater forward in this new era and i'm not sure i have seen the answer you go oh that's it that's the future but at this point, it feels like folks in positions of like mine are throwing a lot of things at the wall, like purposely curating and crafting things and sort of shipping them out to the community and going, Do you, does this have does an audience? Stick? Yes. Yeah. We as an organization to fulfill that mission of invigorating people's lives uh, through these theatrical experiences, we're, we're throwing out a few different ideas and some of them worked great and some of them nobody seems to care. So <laughs> we're going, okay. Um, uh, you almost have to like, you know, uh, there's risk involved. And at this point we need to try a few things as well as we can and see what sticks. Something I'm very passionate about is that filmed live theater is an alternative to live theater. It's, it's mm. no, never going to replace it because people always want that live person experience. But having said that, what do you think when, when you film, say, Calling All Kates, you, you filmed that show and then now it's been released online or is available online through Prima. What, what is the, the object that is now that film? Is it theater or is it film? Is it something else? Yeah, there, there's been a, quite a load of discussion about, I've heard a lot of artistic leaders say, well, that's not theater. And that makes, uh, just sharing my personal opinion, I, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, no, you're not in the room. And yet, you. when I watch uh, a documentary on arena concerts, there is an essence of feeling that you're connected to that experience. And so it may not be the totality of it, but you are, your, your heart rises up. You get some of those same emotional uh, you know, so, some of the same things are happening within your body, not to the hundred percent or uh, of perhaps being in the room, but to say, I have a hard time with that concept of saying, well, that's not, that's not theater. I mean, folks, it depends on how, um, 
religious you want to be about it, um, how dogmatic you want to be about it. And and to be honest, it's like, I don't think those of us that are producing it, to some degree, holding on to what was is not helpful at this point. I was like, I don't think we have time to be stuck in that, but rather perhaps instead of looking back and going, well, what, um, you know, what are the things that we're mourning the loss of? Could we be just looking forward to say, well, what's, what's next? Um, and that doesn't mean that live is going anywhere. It's, it's crucial. And, uh, certainly the sort of the ultimate experience, but, uh, I think you have a great point in saying, Hey, this is, this has a place. Absolutely. It's, and we've, we've been filming theater since we invented cameras and we've been performing since we became humans and maybe even before that. Uh, (laughs) And so it it is exciting to think about what is the next step in that iteration. Yeah. There's, you know, there's been a number of ideas. There's one um, New York composer did a bunch of uh, New York music theater festival work back in the day. And he had an idea about like there needing to be sort of that, um, the label for albums of musicals that don't happen in New York, but that people should hear, they should experience. And in his mind, he's not, obviously wasn't thinking about the film because in some ways that is like off limits category, right? Uh, Outside of bootlegs. So to, but to think that there's been these sort of inkling concepts of what would it look like? Um, Imagine the, the artists that never, their work may never make it into Manhattan, but some of the best work isn't necessarily happening in the confines of specific locations or cities. I mean, there's, I've seen some of the best theater I've seen has been, you know, in, in the Midwest or on the West Coast, and it never goes to New York, or it's so far off Broadway that it never gets noticed, and yet can be the best art if it's filmed and the world can see it. It almost in some way the access changes the game, and it changes the power dynamic because it's it's mm. this idea, this old idea that Broadway is the best, and there is so much wonderful theater happening outside of New York that New Yorkers don't get to see, and the people outside of those towns don't get to see. So that's why, like, film theater allows us access to those things, and hopefully, the pandemic, the positive that will come out of that, is that people will see these great works that you know like you said don't get a bigger stage time so that brings me back to calling all kates i'm very curious do you have an in-house team that film your shows or do you bring in a team for each production yeah we um have the immense um gift that is a volunteer that comes in with multi-camera to multiple theaters and because he cares about the arts and he does it out of the love for it. Um, and so for years, that's what it has been. Previous to that, there's a number of film companies in the area because Lancaster PA is, is kind of in between Philly and DC and Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh. We're not, you know, that far from, we're kind of a three hour drive from a lot of big cities. And so this area has a lot of film. Companies. And so previous to that, we had a, a partnerships with a, a variety of, of film companies. Um, but as a small, you know, scrappy nonprofit, that wasn't sustainable. Um, specifically that there wasn't a means in which to uh, offer a ticketed uh, experience that you could stream something for a price point um and so uh so at some point you know we had to go oh we might have to make this a a volunteer um, experience and so for years now gentleman has been doing that and so realistically like there are videos that we have shot with the 4k setting on an iphone that have been you know immensely successful for marketing campaigns nobody knows what i mean it's better than our slr camera that we bought six years ago or so like there's so much that one can do um if you have in some ways the right team behind it and a few pieces of technology so um so often what we found is that it's it's mostly about 
the pe- people that are passionate about what you do and making asks of, you know, because uh, do you have anybody in your network that can manage this? And I see folks, you know, going to, there's companies that are coming up uh, you know, out of the woodworks to be able to offer this. But I look at small nonprofit organizations, I'm like, this is a great way to spend a lot of money that we don't all have. You know? And it's not really necessary. Quality matters. The multi-camera shots, I think that matters for experiencing it in this kind of platform. But uh, but I do question, you know, who's who's got the pro equipment that might just care about the art enough to participate? Okay, so you you have your team of volunteers. You hear rumblings that a shutdown might be happening. Uh, Calling all Kates was filmed before the shutdown was announced, or like it was going to be filmed anyway? That's a good question. Um, Where the timing happened. I think we schedule it to be filmed if we have the right to do so. Um, For that show specifically, I I believe we had it filmed in the first or second run. Um, So it was already in process. I vaguely recall texting the gentleman about it. And usually it's like, well, we don't need this footage for a couple months. It's going to sit in a Dropbox account and maybe used for a montage of our past history a year from now. Until we said, hey, we could, any chance you could finish that in the next 48 hours? <laughs> so, uh, and I think it, it wasn't foreign to him to understand why we were looking at that. And, you know, the writers, the book writer and the music writer were, were seeing the arts potentially go into um, such a rough period of time. They said, yep, do what you need to do. Get the work out there and find if it's going to support. We, we utilize the online content to support out of work theater artists, as well as just keep this company thriving. And uh, and so that that mission helped a lot of folks say, yep, I don't mind my content going towards supporting those kinds of causes. So the shutdown happens, you have this content sitting in your Dropbox and gets edited. You get permission from uh, Emily Goodson and Jeremy Schoenfeld. Yes. And and the actors in the show. Yes. And then how what what was the process to launching Prima Now, your online platform? Um, trying to uh, see what was, um, what was happening in the industry. There was a number of folks looking at a variety of ways of, of doing it. You know, we questioned about, is this, I saw folks that were putting out content for free with a donate button and instinct and some data told me that that wasn't really going to be the most, um, effective route. And we were trying to figure out how do we package these things? My, one of my passions is marketing. It's about influence. It's about um, it's as salesy as that as marketing can sound. That that dirty word. It's about helping move people in a direction, and if in it can be used for good. And so, a question about how could we package this content that we have in a way that could support the causes that these people care about? Um, And when it's a side thing to push a donate button, I'm thinking I don't know if I would do that um but if it was a if i knew i'm doing something good i'm making an impact um and i'm going to get this library of content uh so we just threw out as a team we're a staff of three people there was a lot of churning and ruminating on how do we package this thing which became prima now and uh and at first we, we knew we had about four or five shows or concerts that we um, made sure we were covering all the basis of rights and permissions and blessings from the artists and all that jazz. And then it turned into dozens of, of uh, productions and content. Some of them that, you know, went out for a period of time. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, Frank Wildhorn kindly gave us a few weeks of putting up that production. You know, we were trying to figure out how do we package this thing? When we, one smart man said, it, uh, this is the time for it to be about others. This is the time to be generous not the time to be looking uh, i mean i guess it's that that concept of like when you're when you're um when you're drowning the the natural uh thing to do is kind of hold tight to grasp onto things and to bring 
other things underwater with you versus to calm down and float, think, process. Um, so we took the time. We weren't the first people to come out with streaming content, but what we did do is think about it, look at what was going on in the world. What did we think was going to be the most effective route? And we were able to raise thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for out of work future artists and to help amidst the time where we were going to see you know, a hundred thousand dollar gap. At that point, we only thought we were going to close for what? Third days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we saw a huge, uh, what seemed like an insurmountable financial gap that was coming and the community and the world at large. And as you mentioned, like people seeing things in other countries and we were hearing from folks in Europe uh, specifically that were so excited about seeing fresh work that they wouldn't otherwise experience. And so we were able to raise the money for those out of work theater artists, as well as to keep the lights on, you know, at the theater so that those out of work theater artists would actually have work when things return. So some folks, you know, it's the natural thing to go, well, the theaters are going to be okay. Well, if we're, if we're only care, if we're in some ways thinking about the artists, we need to make sure that there's a place for them to get work when things return. So keeping the lights on is uh, a fairly crucial task. And has the Prima Now program, has that allowed you essentially to stay open? It helped the first couple months for us to get a sense that things were going to be okay for the short term. None of us would have, you know, we thought, okay, well, then we'll get back to our May programming and the fundraiser that's going to be in the spring and, you know, the, the, our summer plans. We're going to, you know, and then you start to sort of do cash flow planning and go, okay, well, looks like it might be June, July, August. Okay, we'll plan through August. And, and so um, it helped us through that first early phase when we did, who knew what the government was going to do, right? And rea- reality is, none of those programs in which are out there are saving graces for those small nonprofit uh, theaters. Um, so it, it was a, it's also right now a platform in which we're asking questions about what does the future of that look like for, so did it, you know, sort of fill all of our gaps? No, but what it is ask, also offering is um, an opportunity for us to engage patrons and folks who may never otherwise experience our work, we're looking at what does it look like in this next upcoming season um, for us to package streaming shows, whether it's individual tickets or it's subscriptions, or um, it helps engage donors. It helps engage subscribers. Um, what if we are uh, providing, just like you would uh, you watch, if you were watching some sort of sporting event um, and there's an after game uh, you know, analysis or what have you. What if uh, some of this online content would allow us to um, offer folks who did see a show in person, sort of the up in the in the dressing room? Here's the lead actor, sort of giving his play by play of the night. Uh, and so, it becomes more of an overall experience uh, than it is, uh, you know, just something that's. Uh, uh, more boxed in. Oh, that's exciting. I love, as an audience member, the idea of having like backstage access is is very cool. You know, there's one night uh, during a show run that might have a talk back with the cast. Well, if you can't attend that night, you're out of luck to get the insights. We're going to make that kind of content available. So these kind of streaming platforms, film live musicals are obviously the, the meat. But then we ask, what's the rest of the meal around that? And uh, And I think there's going to be know, a full palette ahead. And we do need, you know, our broader community, our nation to support the organizations as we reframe the very essence of what we do. <laughs> because as so many uh, companies are having to think about like, well, I was an architect firm for schools, but, you know, now that looks a lot different. We have to, we have to rethink. And so I think you're going to be seeing theaters, um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see your podcast a year from now and what what kind of um, tales you'll be telling. 
Yeah. You got me really excited with the idea of like the palette. It makes me think of like DVD sets and how in DVDs we used to get all these extras and there was commentary and backstage access and all kinds of fun stuff on a, on a DVD package, which streaming content doesn't have a lot of. It's usually just the show. And so I love the idea that streaming could come with all those extras. It's interesting because I, I did hear someone mention that the statistics with Disney Plus right now, you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I am hearing is that some of the statistics are that the documentaries on the behind the scenes of the Disney world are getting more viewership than was ever expected and sometimes um, bigger than the, the main meat content. So folks are interested in sort of getting that exclusive look at things. Um, and so, you know, we're looking at how do we make some of that content that is only available to folks who are investing in the cause and some of it uh, available to the broader public uh, to for folks to learn about the art form, to, you know, to be engaged. I was that kid who would never have been able to afford to go to Broadway constantly, but perhaps things like Calling All Kates, a new musical that they feel like, okay, I can wrap my head around that. I that's music that I would like to listen to, you know, that th this may be the way that, uh, you know, a 12 year old decides that they're going to invest their life in a creative way. So many times I hear industry people talking about bootlegs being there into theater, especially people that grew up outside of the major cities and bootlegs were how they saw theater for the first time for many people. And whether, you know, whether we agree with bootlegs or not, they they exist and they they provide access to people. And what's so exciting about the pandemic is that, and with all this theater being made available online, is it's providing access in a way that we never have had. The fact that we can watch Hamilton for six ninety nine, when you know the average ticket was like three hundred bucks, and now everyone can see it in a way that they couldn't before. Yeah, that's in, and that's scary for the folks who are in, uh, involved in the making of these things in terms of the boundaries, the uh, the systems in place. They, in some ways, all the walls come crashing down, and it can be fear-inducing, and it also can be so exciting to think of what that's going to mean for, for access, but also that in some ways you get to build something new that may not have been working very well in the first place. Well, we, we so often talk about theater as this egalitarian, all are welcome, we, we are equal in the theater, but not everyone, for, whether for money or physical uh, distance or physicality, people with disabilities often can't get into a, an actual theater. Mm. And uh, so location and money and body physical bodies screening theater changes all of that that's that's it's awesome you're certainly bringing some things to light that you know i, I haven't put enough time thinking through in, uh, in terms of how that access can um you know it was some ways uh when music came you know when when it was spotify and all the stream content that you could listen to music that otherwise may not play on the radio in your you know kansas town let's say, or what have you, like, perhaps our world can become a little bit smaller and more loving if uh, we were able to connect a little bit further. That's a beautiful and perfect transition into your next project to bring theater to people, Brave and Beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we had a concert, um, that was on the schedule and uh and we recognized it hit us over the head um with all that was happening in our world uh specifically from black lives matters and um and from covid that there's so much pain and distress and negativity that is in our world right now and yet there's so much bravery and beauty that can get missed amidst the lens of of uh, some of those the horror stories that, that are happening in our world. Um, and it's not to dishonor um, some of those struggles uh, that are going on. Those are, are real and important to embrace and, um, to, and to work through. And, and so when we talk about bravery and 
beauty. It's it's about uh, working through that and to see the bravery amidst um, the muck. And so we're doing a drive-in um, storytelling and concert experience that it's uh, on the back of a giant flatbed truck with trussing and lighting and a baby grand piano. Um, and uh, you know, because it's big, it can have a full band on it and we can still socially distance and, um, you know, with in-ear monitors and, if, you know, the full get out. Um, and we're also going to be taking that act and parading it through town like um, the Rolling Stones and U2 did in Manhattan back in the day. And so it's just a way that under what was in Pennsylvania, the red phase, the most closed phase, we were trying to figure out um, how do we take this to the people? And, and so we were looking at, yeah, can we, we can put it on a truck and bring it to people's houses. One author said during all of this thing that hit really early on was they said, this is not the time to be efficient. Efficient will not be effective. And the, the thing that it was like, we've been in a world that's moving so fast that the most efficient thing is to shoot out an email to thousands of people that's not personalized at all, um, that we all know is BS, right? Like, it's a sales pitch email versus the call to a single human. Um, and so we figure out what does it look like for theater to be that connected on an individual basis. It may be, um, you know, we're, we're exploring what does that look like. So for Brave and Beautiful, it's the music of Beyonce and Adele and Sarah Bareilles and Aretha Franklin with local and national stories from uh, the last few months. So amidst COVID and Black Lives Matters, these local and national stories that are, are um, embodying the bravery and beauty um, that we're seeing in our world, and uh, and then connecting some of the music of those great singer songwriters that uh, you know fit the bill. I love that it's very female driven too. Yes, that was the original intent of the piece was was that was going to be you know pretty gender focused um, and about female empowerment, and uh, and that still is true of this work, and uh, certainly. We have a number of causes and, and issues to work through as a society. We can do. We're going to do them all at the same time. <laughs> we're going to fix the world with this one yeah. concert. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you know, when we look back at at what you know the New Deal did, um, you know, in the early 1900s, and the, the way the position and the power of the arts, specifically when you make it available to the masses in an accessible way how it transformed pop culture, politics, and prejudice. To imagine what your, what your focus is, is on, these, uh, on filmed live musicals. Imagine what that could look like for our society when we talk about what does pop culture look like, what does our politics look like, what does prejudice look like. Change can happen. Absolutely. And it, it keeps bringing to mind this idea. I've, I'm picturing your your cast on the back of the truck and it brings to mind like medieval troubadours traveling around on a wagon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My wife had said uh, realistically like capitalism, just like I feel like, you know, so much there's there's that connection between like theater and, and uh, organized religion. Like in terms of you're creating community, you're creating an experience, you're moving people uh, emotionally and, and spiritually and what have you. And we feel like as uncomfortable of, of, uh, of perhaps, uh, you know, connecting those two things, you say, well, uh, that may look different in different generations. And theater and capitalism may have had a relationship that needs to shift. <laughs> um, and the scary thing is, as a producer, you know, running an organization is the reality is like, I have a core value of smashing the box of seeing of of seeing where um, the status quo is and breaking it down. And then realizing that sometimes when the status quo is benefiting you, that you're going to have to go through your own pain in the process to make uh, to do what is in the best interest of the greater good. You know, check back in a year to see if I'm feeling <laughs> how I'm feeling about that. Uh, Let's take this optimism. Know. I love it. Let's keep keep <laughs> celebrating that. 
Will Brave and Beautiful be filmed? Uh, yes. Yes. Because it's still, we're still, you know, you, you still navigate like going through the check marks of all of the, all of the rights boxes, um, making sure that, that we are, you know, honoring the, the authors of the work. Um, we have set the circumstances up for, for that. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, you'll be seeing brave and beautiful ahead. If, if I, uh, make that possible. And I think a number of other works as we head into 2021, um, one of the questions that's now being asked in our, uh, rights agreements is we need to be able to stream this. How can we make that possible? If people can't see this in the space, um, or, what if we need to give people the choice? So uh, let's say something changes and, uh, you know, in, in the world and, and it's a week before the show and you plan to see it in theater and now you're not feeling so comfortable about that. What if we need to provide the flexibility for people to, to be able to go from seeing it to streaming it? Um, and then if they want to rewatch it a year from now to engage that creative concept that might inspire some other project that they're working on in their business world. Um, uh, so everything ahead in 2021 has new filters at the front lines of, of even considering material is, is it safe? Is it streamable? And also can we produce this with less than 50 people in the house if we had to? Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a wild uh, set of new filters to consider. How are you rehearsing with your performers and keeping them socially distanced? Yeah, so uh, I mean, sometimes that means doing things outdoors. Um, the currently, a lot of the work we've been doing is home concerts, so uh, bringing that kind of experience into people's safe spaces. Um, and so those are often being like out on people's patio. Uh, and telling stories and uh, providing music, we're obviously musically focused. Um, so that that those main ingredients to the art form of storytelling and, and theater are, are um, storytelling and, and music for us are, are, uh, are, are taking new forms in these home concerts where their people are gathering their closest friends um, in wide spaces um, and doing them that way. So uh, performers have been we have I mean we have our own theater we can when we only have three or four performers i mean they can be separated from the pianist and what have you but primarily we are choosing material moving forward that has a minimal number of people involved as far as what's on stage or in the band for proximity's sake um so that doesn't necessarily mean that we say to musicians that would be in the pit orchestra that that they're no longer needed that's not the plan but what if we have to record that material so that we can engage these folks and and provide a live orchestral experience with tracks that are well produced, where we still engage the artists, um, we can provide a live singing experience or what have you. Uh, so it's everything has to get rethought. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, I, I I do believe, like you mentioned about being optimistic, that we are going to see. Um, uh, more fresh work because of this um, is when, you know, I think there's a place for the work that you see. Um, I see a number of theaters moving their seasons, you know, one year ahead. It, perhaps it's just our core values as an organization, but I feel like when the world has changed, I can't justify within our organization just taking our stuff and moving forward. Too much has shifted, so it is changing how we present what we do, what and what we are going to present. Um, I guess I just can't, in my spirit, justify pretending like nothing happened. People are going to need joy, you know. We're going to need uh, escapes, but we are also going to need reflection and uh, what have you ahead. Uh, and so, um, the kind of work that we're looking at, we had a plan and that got thrown out in multiple levels um, to say what what is our what is our patrons what does our world need 
right now. And that's the best theater that is alive and in the moment and speaking to us today. So hopefully you'll see film live musicals that will probably, we're not, we are likely not going to be live streaming uh, our shows, but we are going to film them multi-camera, top audio, then we'll master them multi-camera, and then we're going to try to get them out a few weeks. That's the plan currently. See where that is in a month from now. But the idea that uh, just as if you could see it in the movies, you could see it in the theater, and then uh, then it's going to end up out on streaming at some point, right? Like it's going to be out on DVD at some point. Um, We're going to try to get that out as fast as we can know, while there's interest in material hot. It's so exciting. I cannot wait to see what comes next. Well, uh, thanks for uh, you know, just focusing on, uh, you know, a part of the art form that is uh, starting to uh, make some noise. I, I really hope so. So I have a few questions that I ask every guest and they're quick questions. So whatever first comes to mind is good. So favorite musical. oh i feel like the people around me could answer that better than i uh i spent a great what brought me to the arts was jesus christ superstar and uh i have a love-hate relationship with material so (laughs) gosh it's terrible that's such a hard question you know, it's almost like, you know how in, in some of those music platforms where where it tells you what you've been listening to a lot? That's what, you need like an algorithm to answer this. Yes. I mean, yeah, I grew up on Jesus Christ Superstar and Rent and, and all those rock musicals. And so, um, but also like chess. Uh, that was the one that when I was feeling a little bit angry at the world, I would just put on like nobody's side from chess. And that was the you're like the glam rock musical. Yes. <laughs> that explains yes. your love affair with Jeremy Schoenfeld. Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I saw him, uh, goodness, in my early 20s um, and was like this rock star, you know, manly man doing Broadway rock musicals. Yes, let's. Uh, he scared the life out of me when I first saw him. Kind of me up. So hopefully, this line of uh, of film live musical will make work like his more readily available. Absolutely. Um, so, on that line, do you have a favorite filmed live musical? The best filmed live musical. Um, or your favorite? It doesn't have to be the best. Your favorite. Something that you put on that gives you comfort. Brings you joy. I have trouble rewatching things in general. Um, um, I enjoyed when when the final Broadway cast of Rent had their uh, that film come out. Radical media. It, yes, that reminded me. Um, like Hamilton, it same reminded company. Me, yes, yes. Yeah. Reminded me of the of uh, of the power of what we do and in some ways like you, sometimes when you're creating it you kind of get lost in it all then to see great artists doing their work like ah there it is uh, as a fellow so rent head i quite agree yeah yeah so that one and um uh, i really enjoyed the chess concert production because it it helped um with idina and adam scallon um and josh groban that was that uh, was you know something I just happened to run by on yes one time, um, and there's nothing you know like magical about how it was filmed or what have, but it also brought to attention a show that might otherwise never um, see the light of day. That's great. I love that. Uh, you called them films, and we touched on this earlier. Is it theater? Is it film? What should we call it? What should we call this entity when we film theater? Film. <laughs> <laughs> but is it cinema is it is it the same as uh like watching save it private ryan is is watching rent filmed live on broadway the same as watching rent the movie 
Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between when you talk about filmed live musicals. That is, there is a difference uh, between that and the Rent film that was you know, produced with the original cast. Those are two different things. There's a cinematic experience, um, and and I'm not a, a you know a, enough of a cinema buff to to be able to wrap my language around it. Um, what I would hesitate to do is to tell people that it's not um i don't think that's helpful so um when you say like film live musicals is is almost like it's interesting because from a title alone kind of going like we don't necessarily have the language for this yet and let's be okay with that discomfort um in that this is what's accessible at the moment (laughs) <laughs> and uh and to become comfortable with the the discomfort in the, of the moment it's um, very so zen lean I, into I the discomfort rather, yeah i would rather not i'd rather uh not put a box around it than um than to set up a structure in which is potentially unhelpful at the moment. next question where do you stand on bootlegs oh oh, gosh oh man as as someone who has a high value for smashing the box and which is my way of of defining that the status you know uh, the status quo is is something that i'm always questioning when there were so many confines to the experience of theater um that did bother me, um, and that continues to be like, well, why are we setting up all of these restrictions to some degree? Um, uh, and there are good reasons for some of it. Some just happen to be that that um, people are protecting, perhaps, past systems that are unhelpful at the moment. So I I think that ha- has there been bootlegs that I have experienced that have been um, helpful to experiencing the arts as a kid and what have you. Yep. Um, and, uh, um, and that there's some of that excitement. I remember as a teenager going, Oh, we can see this show. Wow. How did they get access to that? Um, my hope is similar, you know, to, to medical marijuana. <laughs> let's, let's go there. You yes, start to this see is an excellent analogy. <laughs> You you start to see some states, some progressive states, start to question, um, or leaders start to say, "Well, it, how we regulate this? If this is something that you know, how much harm is this doing? Are we creating uh, um, systems and rules that are doing more harm than good?" Those kind of questions, I don't think I necessarily have the answers to, but I do think that they're good questions to ask. And so I think of from some ways within the the restrictions in which have been placed around an industry that is that it has had its struggles. I do think we have now been forced to ask some questions of what if we set some regulations around filmed musicals that help protect the artists to um to honor them and to um to lift them up and the people surrounding it behind the scenes rather than put people into uh, into doing things in the corners that are uh you know are less than beneficial for the greater good that is the best analogy i have ever heard and i want to put it on my website <laughs> oh. Like musicals. We are like legal, we are like medical marijuana. <laughs> Get your card here. Okay, oh, last two yeah. questions. What shows do you wish had been filmed? Wow. Um, there's some shows that, you know, like are moving to film cinematically, like Dear Evan Hansen, um, that. I think it would be fun to see theatrically, not in a bootleg, like done well. Um, some of the great work that uh, 
you know, you don't have to go to the New York library to actually see it. Um, I remember seeing, obviously I'm into the rock musicals. I went a few times to see Tick, Tick, Boom off Broadway uh, by Keen Company and heard that it was getting filmed and thinking, I got to go to the, I got to go to a library in a city in which I do not reside and sit there for a few hours. And then, but I can't like, that's that. Um, so work like that, um, you know, King companies was just like the bare bones, like focusing on the storytelling and the, um, you know, the real, uh, grittiness that is behind, uh, some of the, the greatest stories. Um, but that economically doesn't make sense for somebody to, uh, release on some giant platform. Uh, that's a piece that I would love to uh, get my hands on. I imagine there is a huge market for Tick, Tick, Boom, particularly all the rent heads out there. People love anything Jonathan Larson. So I, I, I would hope um, they, that if there is something like that, that they would release it. And final question, what would you like to see filmed in the future? Jeremy Schoenfeld's concept about a, um, a platform in which non-New York musicals could get heard. I think is uh, in in imagining that in a film sense, I think could be an amazing future asset. I think it's so the answer I think is the work that may never make it to New York and could be the next greatest thing. Um, that uh, the six, uh, you know, like those kinds of, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see a show like six. Um, in some sort of I don't know would that be fun to watch oh yes <laughs> sure. I've I've been keeping like toes fingers crossed that six will get released online because they announced the drive-in theater in the UK and uh, that got nixed and I'm like come on release the film release the film but because it's probably going to open on Broadway when we're allowed to reopen I don't think they will but I want them to release it <laughs> yes uh gosh yeah some of those works um I think there's more of them out there. I think it's the work, the thing that I would love to see released in the future is the work in which we do not know that the the work that is unseen, that is under the radar, um, that requires a platform to showcase it. And I know that some of those, uh, I think it's Broadway now is, is basically making an appeal out for such, um, to broaden the platform. Um, but just like the early days of the internet, uh, you know, AOL or Yahoo um, you know, may have had the first idea. We'll see who um, really brings it to life. Well, there's new platforms already popping up in the UK. There's Scene Saver, which is for uh, off West End and Fringe Theatre. And Broadway On Demand has started streaming sort of unknown, smaller scale productions as well. Well, I, it sounds like I need to go make a phone call. <laughs> I'll send you links after. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mitch. This was so much fun and so wonderful to meet someone who's so passionate about theater and passionate about theater in a way that is uplifting to humanity. It's, it's really beautiful to see. Well, thanks for your time. Of course. Where can folks find Prima Theater? Primatheater.org is the best, best way to uh, engage what's going on in our world. And make sure to sign up. I'm just bringing it up. Uh, there are two access op- options. You can purchase a superhero pass, which is, is that $100? Is that right? Yes. Yep. So that will give um, a $100 grocery card to an out-of-work performer or theater artist and will give you access to all the content streaming online. And then there's various uh, price points for the no-show show, and uh, that will give you also give you access to all the theater, all the content that is streaming, uh, two musicals currently and a bunch of concerts as well. Thank you so much, Mitch. It was so great to talk with you today, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Filmed Live Musicals is a labor of love, and we'd like to thank everyone who makes it possible. 
Thank you to our patrons Josh Brandon, Mercedes Esteban, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Al Monaco, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for your support. If you'd like to support Filmed Life Musicals, please like and review on your podcast app. Find us on Twitter at Musicals on Screen and on Facebook at Filmed Live Musicals. If you'd like to support the site financially, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. No matter what level you're able to pledge, you'll receive early access to written content and early access to this very podcast. Visit www.filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.